Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on AM 1250. Jeff Orlowski, Steve Zockey. We turn the page now and uh, going to focus on IndyCar racing, Steve. There's a, a lot happening when, uh, while we're waiting for the uh, championship race at St. Pete to uh, to come. But uh, is there a chance that Penske might be uh, trimming the number of teams that they're running? Well, yeah, it's interesting uh, that you mentioned that, you know, because some people, especially on uh, stateside here, might not be aware that he owns uh, – uh, an Australian Supercar Championship team with Dick Johnson Racing. Dick Johnson is a uh, an Australian racing legend for years. In fact, uh, in the late '80s, I want to say '86, '87 or so, he he actually drove a few uh, Cup races in the states here, and and he had a a, a series. He had an, like an Australian Cup series. Uh, if you want to call it that, in Australia with older cup cars and whatnot. And he had a track. They had an oval track down there. I want to say it was called like Thunder Thunder something, Thunder Hill or whatever that they raced at. And, um, yeah, he's been an Australian, uh, is, is an Australian legend, I should say. And Penske teamed up with him a few years ago and uh, been dominating. And one of the drivers uh, in, that, in, in that team, uh, sponsored by Shell, of course, where everything – uh, is kind of affiliated here is with Shell and their V Power is Scott McLaughlin and he did he did a test last year with IndyCar and blew everybody away. I mean they were just so impressed for a guy for for a driver to go from just those Australian supercars which are similar to like the English and the German have their Coupe series or four door Coupe series that you may see they run them on uh, CBS Sports at times they run they run basically all the same tracks as Formula One. Did. The tracks too and other tracks uh they're the you know like the mercedes and the uh the the bmws and whatnot and and uh um opal isn't it was or they may still be in that series in, in europe but in um uh, 
In Australia, it's primary Holden and Ford that, that race in that series down there. And I think Holden is the one that, that, that actually um, um, that pulled out. I think it was the Thunderdome, I believe. Uh, what it was called. And anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, Scott McLaughlin just blew everybody away, and, and Penske has been thinking of a way to bring him into IndyCar racing. So he's running at St. Pete next week. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. And Penske's going to withdraw from the Australian uh, Supercar Series. So And and, and it looks like uh, McLaughlin's going to be running, uh, if not part-time, uh, full-time next year in the IndyCar series. So be interested to see. There's been a lot of c- comparisons made to him uh, with Scott Dixon. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out and how he does uh, next week in the finale at St. Pete. Well, getting compared to Scott Dixon, that's uh, that's good company. So, uh, But it also, that's one hell of a mantle to try to live up to. Uh, another rumor that I heard going around, uh, good old Oliver Askew, is there any chance that he's going to leave Mc, uh, McLaren? Oh, he's done. Yeah, he's done with uh, the the Schmidt with the spam Schmidt Peterson and McLaren Racing Team. Uh, so he's gone from there, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who takes over that that seat. And Oliver Askew, of course, uh, won the Indy Lights Championship. Very very popular driver. Uh, in the IndyCar paddock, and just all, everything I've heard, a uh, very good guy. So, unfortunately, it's a one-and-done with him. And I, I'm hearing a lot of negative, you know, people like, oh, you know, they, they should get more of a chance than that. Well, you know, this is a very competitive series. There's not a lot of seats in there. And this leads me to believe it could be somebody with maybe more experience or somebody that's going to go in there, maybe with more money too. Who knows? I mean, you know, with 2020, money is so tight in motorsports overall. It'd be interesting to see. And, you know, McLaren, of course, you think McLaren, you know, Formula One, this and that and everything. You know, they've they've done some things over in Europe to trim some costs on their side. So, I mean, everybody's trying to save money uh, where they can. So, it'll be interesting to see who takes over that ride. But Oliver, I ask you, is out. It'll be interesting to see, to see where he ends up, if he's able to find a ride. Because... To be honest, in the open wheel world, you know, seats are at a premium. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a big shakeup there. Now we're about, you know, we're eight days away. A week from tomorrow is uh, St. Pete for IndyCar. What, A, what should we be looking for during that race? And then is there a couple drivers you're going to keep your, keep your eye on? Well, it's basically for the championship. It's you know Scott Dixon and Joseph Newgarden. What's interesting though with Scott Dixon is you know he's led the championship from the beginning, and I think it's I think it's only one of three drivers since 2000 that, that that's done that. You know you look back at you know I think Foyt did it too in in '64 when he won like 10 or 13 races uh, that year and just totally dominated. But, you know, the thing that, and I don't think this will necessarily happen to Scott Dixon, but I know there's some people that think about this, you know, you want that, you almost, there's a part of you that almost wants you to have that bad race. It's kind of like a football team. You kind of want that one football team where you, where they come out and just play flat because you know, it's going to come. It seems like every, every year that team has that. That's why it's so hard you know, especially in college football, you look at what they're able to do in college football, what Alabama's been able to do the last few years or that, or what LSU did last year. You know, you're always worried about that flat game. Uh, case in point, the 
New England Patriots, you know, when they went 17 and, or they went, you know, they went 16 and 0. And then, you know, that game against uh, the, probably the worst game they played was against the Giants. That was, was it, was a Sunday night game or Monday night game. And it was, you know, towards the end of the year and the Giants stayed with them. And that really came back to bite them because when they met again in the Super Bowl, the Giants were like, you know, hey, we almost beat this team, you know, three or four weeks before. I think we can do it again. And the Patriots came out flat. So, you know, you worry about, you know, Scott Dixon. And, and that's certainly what Joseph Newgarden is thinking. And I think he mentioned that in, a, in an interview, too, where he's like, you know, we had... You know, we've we've had a very good team, and I've been in the frame of mind where we can go out and defend our championship because he won the championship in 2019. But he's like, you know, Scott Dixon has not had that bad race where everything really, you know, fell apart. Closest you can go is probably mid-Ohio when when one of the races he spun out on the front straightaway, which was very un-Scott Dixon-like. So, you know, Newgarden's thinking, like, we're kind of hoping, at least from the mechanical gremlins point of view, that something might pop up and it might make it interesting because... Basically, for for uh, Newgarden to make this thing a really a, make a run for the championship, he's going to need Dixon to have some issues uh, mechanically that he has to take an extended pit stop or has to go all the way back to the you know whether it's at the start of the you know at the start of the race where they're going into turn one and he has to change a wing and and maybe change an upright or something that gets bent because it is on a street course at St. Pete. You know, part of it's on the airport, but part of it's a street course. So it it, it, it can get tight. And, and, you know, Jeff, as we know, anything can happen on those races. Yeah, that's for sure. And I want to thank Scott Dixon because after the first two, three weeks of uh, the indie season when they came back from uh, from the, the COVID break, you thought that the championship battle was completely over and Dixon had it won. And yes, he has led throughout the season, but it just kind of gets a little bit closer week after week after week. So he's been chipping away. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it ha- it's kept the interest. It hasn't just sat there and, you know, you don't, you didn't throw your hands in the air two months ago saying, Oh yeah, well, Dixon won it already because, that's the way it looked like uh, this season was going to go. Yeah, it really does, and uh, it's interesting to see what ha- you know what what happens. And uh, you know, either either way, I mean, you're looking at two guys that have won multiple, or you know, at least what you got the defending champion, and Dixon has won defending champions. I mean, there's always a part of yeah that what kind of like to see Colton Herta, who's running in third, somehow win it. But I mean, I don't. I guess he's what it's one of those he might have a mathematical. I don't even think he does have a mathematical, but you know, you, you so kinda either. was hoping it'd be a few drivers racing for the championship instead of just those two. And you got pretty much the two most successful drivers over the last five years fighting for a championship again. So it's a it's a little little frustrating for IndyCar fans, especially for those who like to mix things up like me. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I'll tell you for me, one of the worst weeks of the year, Steve is in between the AFC-NFC championship games. You get that week off before Super Bowl week. I hate that week off. I just want, you know, you're all jacked up. You know, obviously, if the Packers are in it, it's it's times 100. But you just want to sit there and get to the big game. And I think that, uh, you know, IndyCar, this is, what, week two or three now in a row that they've been off. 
before they have their championship race. It, to me, it, it's hard to maintain your momentum when you got a three-week gap in between the yeah. uh, second-to-last race of the year and the championship. Oh, it is interesting too. With you know, because they were always, you know, they they were they wanted to end the season by Labor Day for the last five years. I think it's been about, and of course with COVID, that was kind of out, out the window. And I've always said, and there's a lot of us, especially in in, in racing, who's worked in racing on multiple levels, and that don't worry about that. You know, I mean, yes, football is a 900-pound gorilla, but there are still people out there who not don't necessarily like football, but like auto racing, and it's a sizable amount. And for years and years and years, auto racing has survived using that format. And now all of a sudden, you're not going to go against it. Now, obviously, this year, when you have everybody going, at, you know, just because the way the, the year has worked out, when you have NHL, NBA, everybody's, you know, running in September and October at this point, you know, you're going to have a lot of, uh, it certainly has watered down the sports world and, and the ratings. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I, there, that's always been a, I mean, that's one thing about Formula One. I think that does, that, that, that works out very well for them, that you pretty much know every other week there's going to be a Formula One race. Now, they do double up at times, especially if the races are close together. Otherwise, every other year, week, there's going to be a Formula One race pretty much from, you know, March until depending on how many races they put on the calendar through at least uh, October, sometimes into early November. So that's not a bad way to go. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I give NASCAR uh, hell all the time, but I, I love their schedule because with uh, one or two exceptions, you know that every single week from February to November, they're running and, uh, it's like clockwork, and I love it. But uh, any other uh, news and notes you want to touch well, on in the IndyCar world? Yeah, I did. Well, I did want to revisit the, the the Kyle Larson thing with Hendrick and that. Um, you know, when I mentioned the '57, they would be basically taking the the '88 and and just renumbering it to another number. One of the numbers that have been rumored is '57, which is uh, Kyle Larson's the number he runs on his team in. Uh, uh, in sprint cars and that. So that's where that comes from. Um, you know, they went to the 88. Hendrick did. Uh, they changed it. I believe that was the five or the 25 car, which in the past had not had a lot of success anyways. Uh, so when Earnhardt came over, you know, the eight in NASCAR was an Earnhardt number, not three, but it was eight. That was Ralph Earnhardt's number. And then when DEI came came up in that, uh, they ran eight. So uh, when he moved to Hendrick, they made it an 88, hence two eights. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And especially with uh, when you see, you know, moving Bowman to the 48 car and Alley, it makes a lot more sense. Alley probably didn't, was more comfortable running Bowman. And you look at Bowman, he's the All-American kid. He's successful. So... And he certainly, you know, if you're looking to replace Jimmy Johnson, I mean, is there a cleaner cut kid at this point than Alex Bowman? So it makes it makes a lot of sense, especially in the corporate world. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. And, uh, you know, with, with, with Briscoe, too, where, where he ends up going and, and what happens. And so there's there's a lot of questions that remain in, in NASCAR. And then uh, for IndyCar, of course, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward with IndyCar. You got Indy Lights uh, coming back. Uh, they're going to actually be, be running more of a halo 
they're not going to run an arrow screen. So it'll be interesting to see just what what occurs and if they, uh, you know, with the IndyCar getting a new chassis in the next couple of years. Uh, I know I've floated this idea. There's been other talk of them using the old IndyCar chassis, that, that DW12 chassis that they're currently using now, and using that as a as an Indy Lights chassis with uh, just you know taking some uh, horsepower out of it as a more of a easier transitional uh, car before these guys get into the IndyCar series. So lots of news coming up. Lots of uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where motorsports and, you know, with everything that's happened in the last 8 to 12 months, you know, what happens with the sport of uh, auto racing, Jeff? Yeah, I agree. My my problem with Silly Season, Steve, is that uh, I think it takes away from the action on the track. We're in the middle of the playoffs and we're talking about drivers losing rides, getting shifted around, retiring and going to the booth. We're talking a whole lot about uh, off-the-track things instead of yeah. the action on the track. I, to me, that would be, you know, the NFL puts in the rule where you don't announce that you hired a new coach for your team during Super Bowl week because they want the focus to be on the Super Bowl. And I think that, uh, you know, by having all the silly season and everything break when it does, it, it it takes away a little bit from uh, from the action on the track. Well, I can tell you right now, there's a sizable fan base in Atlanta that they don't want them to win another game for the rest of the year because they'd love to get Trevor Lawrence. And oh, you know how what what's what's a more Jets thing to do than both those teams going into the final weekend 0 and 15, and then the Jets winning, and then uh, the Falcons getting that number one pick. So, you know, I mean, when depending on what your favorite driver does or team does. You know, part of the fun of being a fan, though, is wondering what's next. What are they going to do? Is there going to be a new driver in that car? Where is my driver going to go? Is my driver going to be in a better car? You know, where is it? So that, that's part of the fun, too. And that, I mean, if you look at J-Ski, that's how J-Ski started, you know, 20-some years ago. Was It was a way to, tr- to track what's going to happen to your favorite driver or team Who's going to be driving? Where are they going to go? So, I mean, there's part of it. That, that's part of it. I mean, people people love, you know, it's the gossip. It's that gossip in sports that keeps everybody happy, keeps our station alive. You know, everybody wants to know the, the, the old story behind the story type deal. Yeah, you got that right. All right, well, let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and when we return, we'll welcome in Eddie Lapine. And uh, and talk uh, delve or, or get our feet wet in F1 and uh, and Steve can wake me up when that's over. Listen <laughs> to the final inspection show here on 12:50 a.m. The fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Adams Honda. And breaking NFL news, yes, the Denver Broncos have cut Blake Bortles. The Blake Bortles era in Denver is over. And, wow. Uh, you know, the, the world of Twitter can be an ugly and disgusting place, but I tell you what, there are some very sarcastic and funny tweets coming about that Blake Bortles. Now, for those thinking, 
Oh, how can you do that, Blake Bortles? You're talking about a man who, who's, you know, that's his, that's his living. Uh, just just Google his wife and Blake Bortles is doing just fine. Join us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. <laughs> it is Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. How are you doing, Eddie? Hey, great, guys. How are you doing? Uh, I'm just setting up my tailgate at uh, Tampa Stadium for the big game tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be a big game, of course. Uh, it's uh, it's the battle of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yes, it's uh, Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people will say Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback, but I tell you what, Tom Brady's got the rings though. So, be interesting to see what uh, what happens in that. Of course, we're all cheering for the Packers up here, and I hope Eddie, you are too. Of course, being a native of Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm just kind of depressed. This is uh, 18 years in a row that I've been to Petit Le Mans at Road Atlanta. Yes. And I am not there, so I guess I had to find something to do, and I thought going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneer game and the Packers would be a good option. But, yeah, it's pretty sad that I'm missing that race because it's one of the biggest races in North America. Sports well, I want to go back. I want to circle back to the Petit Le Mans in just a second here. Um, I did want to mention a little bit of Formula One, and I, I thought it was an interesting uh, uh, news story that they had earlier in the week. Of course, now I'm trying to find it because I had to check out the Blake Bortles news, uh, and that pertains to uh, the Mercedes and Formula One. And basically what it was saying that, you know, Mercedes is going to cut back on their spending in Formula One, which, okay, no surprise there, especially when you're spending, I think last year was uh, $451 million they spent on Formula One. But they're, they're, they're cutting back their spending. Is that going to make any difference where they are uh, regarding uh, Mercedes and the powerhouse that they are in Formula One, Eddie? Really, right now, in the state that they're in, I feel like nothing is going to cause a hiccup in it. I mean, they're all supposed to cut back and scale back. And I think Mercedes, just like all the manufacturers now, have to go to the board and ask for money. It's that time of the year for next year. And there, there has to be cutbacks made especially in the world right now with the pandemic the COVID is really putting a curve on expense accounts for racing auto racing and you're really seeing a pinch in it but as for the way Toto Wolf runs that operation I I don't see anything that's going to deter them from excelling forward yeah, there's been some talk about freezing the engine rules and whatnot, and you know, which Red Bull, you know, is is in favor of. However, though, you have a situation with Ferrari, who's stuck with a boat anchor for an engine, so you know they don't want the freeze. They want to be able to improve their engines, and then you got on the flip side, you got Red Bull. So now Red Bull's threatening to pull out. It seems like whenever there's a problem or a discussion when it comes to a, a team or a manufacturer in Formula One, if they don't get what they want, they threaten to leave the sport, don't they? It, it always. You going back 20, 40, 50 years ago, it was, it's always been that way. If the main anchor team doesn't get what they want, you know, I mean, everyone was throwing up their arms trying to uh, 
have a budget, you know, when they wanted to have a $175 million budget. And look what happened. I mean, they can't operate at that cost. The, the way they've been doing it the last few years, it, it just, it would be impossible. And without laying people off and Europe isn't going to operate that way. They're yeah, not they going to lay people off. Right. Exactly. They can't. Cause either they have to pay them. So where are you going to cut? I mean, in progress and trying to move forward to make a better product to compete, like as your example of Ferrari trying to compete with Mercedes on that level, they need to step it up and they have to find a way and test and testing and finding a way costs money. So I, I, I don't see, and with the position that Mercedes is in right now, it's very difficult for any team. I mean, look at Red Bull and how they're struggling, and they have one of the best car designers in the business, Adrian Dewey. And look at how they're struggling to try to stay. I mean, Verstappen is, Max is carrying that car on his shoulders, trying to push, and, he, and he's doing it. He's, he's splitting the Mercedes, and he's doing it, you know, on the edge, basically. You know, last week, you know, we had the doubleheader, the NASCAR doubleheader at the Roval uh, with uh, the Xfinity Series and uh, the Cup Series at Charlotte. Uh, the, I thought that one of the cool things, though, was having IMSA Saturday night. So we actually had three events at that um, at that track. And, you know, especially on Saturday, both those events were in the rain. What was your feedback? I thought it was a good way for IMSA to kind of showcase because, you know, like today they're at Petit Le Mans. We're talking about we'll get an update from you on that in just a moment. But, you know, they're going up against college football. Of course, they were on last weekend too. But it's just a way to kind of get a different set of eyes perhaps on, on IMSA and their sports car racing. What was your uh, take back on the uh, the race at, at Charlotte last week? Well, I think it was very difficult. I mean, it was very difficult for Porsche because, I mean, they crashed two cars and they had to turn them around to race today this week and mm-hmm. i i it was a great idea there's no doubt going in nascar's backyard and and showing sports car racing at charlotte on the roval and the rain i mean the corvette was fast and it, it showed that they came well prepared and it was a very exciting race definitely close and on the edge of your seat as the NASCAR race was and Chase Elliott schooling everybody. So now we, we got to get Chase Elliott and maybe in an IMSA sports car for the 24 hour race. Well, I would love to see that, especially maybe in a Corvette. Cause he's certainly a talented, uh, driver. Uh, one thing, one thing about the, the, Petit Le Mans that is running now. I wrote Atlanta is that, you know, they bring in that extra set of drivers. And so you got drivers like Colton Hurd is in this race this weekend and also younger drivers too. They kind of get their chance to show like Kyle Kirkwood. Uh, who are some of the drivers that you're kind of, who aren't full-time IMSA drivers that you're kind of keeping an eye on this weekend? Well, I think the biggest one right now is Scott Dixon, who's going for the IndyCar championship next weekend at St. Pete. I mean, he's driving with Wayne Taylor racing and it's exciting always to see the crossover like Colton Herta and 
Scott Dixon and Kyle Kirkwood is definitely another guy that's not turning down any type of opportunity to get seat time. It's very crucial at that age to drive anything you can drive. And it's paying off for him because he's a winner. He's winning Mm -hmm. in everything. So, no, and and Dixon, I think, is, you know, that guy, he's uh, found the fountain of youth, I think. Uh, Hopefully he can uh, hold up to Joseph Newgarden next weekend in St. Pete, win another championship, and start rewriting the IndyCar uh, record book. It'll be interesting to see you talking to Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get uh, Eddie's prediction for the Petit Le Mans. We'll also bring Jeff back and get our NASCAR predictions, too. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Absanda. On the phone with us, it is Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. And, uh, Eddie, we're kind of up against time here. Why don't you give me your pick for the Petit Le Mans, which is happening now at Road Atlanta? I'm going to go with uh, Wayne Taylor Racing there overall uh, and Scott Dixon. Wayne Taylor for overall win i'm typing these as we go and then let's uh move over to uh nascar at kansas let's do the xfinity series and uh jeff orlowski are you with us i sure am sir and who do you like for the uh, xfinity for the xfinity series i'm gonna go with zane smith this week zane smith Ooh, i like that uh eddie what says you I'm going to go with uh, Briscoe. All right, Chase Briscoe. And I'm going to go with Austin Sindrick. I like Austin Sindrick. Uh, he's discovered how to drive ovals now all of a sudden. So uh, I'm going to ride that train. And uh, what do we like for the Cup Series? I'm going to go with the Blue Deuce and uh, and say Keselowski gets it done. And uh Becomes one of the first guys from under the line to advance to the championship four. Interesting. Uh, Eddie, what says you? I'm going with uh, Happy Harvick. Wow, right, same so- choice as Dennis. <laughs> so am I. And so did Dennis <laughs> Michelson. So uh, interesting. We're all, so we got three picks for Kevin Harvick. So Dennis Michelson, Eddie Lapine, and Steve Zotke. Kevin Harvick and then the, and the, the outlier is uh, Jeff doesn't pick him. <laughs> Go figure. And 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 make sure you check Racing Nation out to see our Petit Le Mans story. I wanted to give a quick plug because Jack's been working. Webster's been working really hard on it. Jack Webster is one of the hardest working men in uh, racing. One of the great photographers too, and. Uh, Make sure to uh, check out his uh, website, too, RacingPilot.com. And, of course, Racing Nation for all the latest news. All his good stuff at RacingNation.com. So, Eddie, we certainly appreciate you taking time out being on the show. Thank Jeff Orlowski, also appreciate it. We look forward to chatting with you guys next week. Uh, when we come back, we'll play three questions with Larry coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. 
Back to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out davidhobbs.com for all the latest in their new and certified used Hondas. Also, make sure for Great Lakes Dragway, make sure to check out their social media sites for all the latest news, whether they're open or not. As of now, it looks like they are still open for this weekend. Lots of stuff happening at Great Lakes Dragway until pretty much until the snow flies. So make sure you check them out and get out to Great Lakes Dragway. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Larry Janicek, the Sprint Car Meister. Welcome to the show, sir. Hello, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Wonderful. Nice fall day. Well, not nice. No, it isn't. It is not. It's cloudy. It's cold. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. It's It's going to be this way till June. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think I wrote that down June 5th, I think, Dennis said. Yes. (laughs) Well, I want to start off today with a uh, who am I question. Okay. I won, I won the poll three years in a row, 1988, 89, and 90, for the Daytona 500. Who am I? Uh, is that Kenny Schrader? It sure is. Good start for the day, kiddo. Ken, yep, yeah, Kenny, Kenny Schrader. Schrader. I mean, it, it, I don't want to say it's sad, but it, unfortunately... You know, fans have been, you know, in the sport for maybe 10, 15 years that may not realize how good he was of a driver. And, and when he came in, I mean, he came in very young. Actually, was drove uh, some USAC stock cars, drove a really cool uh, uh, Ford Mustang in, in USAC stock car series, and, and then did a lot of uh, open wheel racing, Silver Crown, sprint cars, you name it, and midgets, drove the Hamilton uh, midget and uh, just was a winner wherever he went. And uh, as a lot of drivers in mi- early in the mid '80s had a choice to either go IndyCar or NASCAR racing, tried IndyCar racing, didn't have a lot of good rides. Unfortunately, uh, broke his leg in Indianapolis, and he said that when that when that happened, that kind of because he was hurt, he wasn't able to make the 500. He kind of pushed him. Uh, he had some offers down south to do some NASCAR racing and then ended up in, in NASCAR and uh, quite successful. Ended up driving for uh, Rick Hendrick and had a successful career and 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 continued on driving, you know, let's face it, not the best equipment, uh, but still made a decent uh, living and raced everywhere. I mean, raced everything and then had a, had that ARCA team for for many, many years and gave a lot of drivers their first ride in a national sanctioned series. So, yeah, Ken, Ken, uh, Ken Schrader is certainly a neat guy. And, of course, uh, some of us, you may hear somebody, uh, we always joke, uh, thumbs up, Kenny. Uh, that goes back to... Was that a, I think it was an ARCA race in which he spun his thumb in a fan fan blade and uh, they could have saved his thumb or had it uh, cut off and he wanted to race. So they just had the, the doctor just remove the his thumb. So he's missing, I think it's on his left, left or I forget, left or right hand. He's missing the, the top half of his thumb. So that's where the thumbs up Kenny comes from. <laughs> it just shows you that... Uh... Race drivers are a special breed. It reminds me of Herdebees when he got burned so bad in Milwaukee. And he had a yes. choice, from what I understand, to how he could have his fingers done 
by the doctors, and he chose to have them so that he could grab the steering wheel rather than have them straightened out. Mm-hmm. Or and a beer. Kenny, Schre- Kenny Schrader was a USAC Sprint Car champion and a Silver Crown champion. And I believe, did he drive in USAC that Ford Granada? Everybody drove that cor- car. Yeah. <laughs> I think even I drove that car in a race at DeCoin once. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody yeah. drove the, the, the Swister Ford Granada. Okay, in a, pre, a couple of previous shows, we've talked about the winningest champ car drivers in decades. We covered the 60s and the 70s. Now I want to go back one uh, decade further, in the 1950s. So that's the from 1950 through 1959, what driver or drivers won the most champ car races? In the 50s? Yes. And, of course, during that time, there was a, a lot more dirt tracks than there were pavement All right, tracks. so we're going from 50 to 59. Correct. I would say Jimmy Bryan. You got it right on the number. That's He's the number one guy with 23 wins. And then there were two other drivers after him with double-digit wins. You want to crack um, at them? One of them, maybe Tony Bettenhausen? You got it. He's number two with 16. One more had double wins, double-digit wins. I, I, they always say on Jeopardy, always go with your, the, the, what comes first in your brain. And for me, it was Jack McGrath. Uh, uh, no, actually, uh, I, I said, uh, you know, I heard it, think, think uh, close by, Roger Ward. Oh, it was Roger Ward, okay. Yeah, Roger Ward was third with 12. And then Judd Larson, seven. Johnny Thompson, seven. Jim Rathman, six. And Johnny Parsons, five. Interesting. That that goes back to that decade. Yeah. Uh, Got time for another? Yeah, please. What, in your mind, was the first pure-blooded ground effects IndyCar. The Chaparral 2K. Um, and you're hot today. You're yeah, the Chaparral 2K today. that came out in 79. The um, They knew, they knew they, they kind of could see, Penske knew the technology was coming, and uh, they had what they was, uh, uh, what, what, what Penske, Penske started to build his cars and built the factory up in England in the 70s when they went Formula One racing. And, you know, some people say, oh, Penske's, you know, Penske's Formula One program was a failure. In a way, though, it wasn't because it taught them how to build their own chassis. And so that way he was able to, you know, hire the best designers and whatnot. And it really paid off for him in the the, the 1980s and into the early 90s. But uh, when they built that in Poole, I think it was Poole, England, it really helped them with with that, and the, the PC6 in which Tom Sneva won the, the championship in 1978, that was a Penske PC6, and then the following year they had the PC7, which was basically a PC6 with uh, ground effect side pods on it, so it wasn't a fully integrated uh, integrated car, ground effect car, but uh, I thought it was kind of funny when uh, you know Johnny Rutherford won, won the championship in that Chaparral 2K, and uh, that last race at Phoenix, he flipped and had a, a very, you know, we, it's one of these things we don't realize later, but it was a, uh, he actually got banged up quite a bit. It could have been a lot worse, 
But it's funny when that car was upside down. Everybody, uh, there's a there's a joke going around the paddock that more people were were more concerned getting photos of the underside of the car than worrying about Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that on TV that race. <laughs> For sure, Do you remember. So the under the under trays are always the big secret. And uh, Bobby, Uncle Bobby Unzeraz has a great story on on him and Ronnie Dawes uh, in the summer in, in Albuquerque. And people always wonder, you know, Tom Sneva got fired, you know, uh, you know, after winning two national championships in a row. But anybody who's worked with Tom Sneva, he was uh, he was a guy who was kind of known as uh, kind of known to be as a complainer, to to put it bluntly, liked to complain about the cars, was never happy with the setup with the car and whatnot, and wasn't always the best at saying what needs to be done with the car. So, and Penske was starting to get into uh, his chassis development work and whatnot, and say what you say about, you know, there's a lot of criticisms about Bobby Unzer in that, and, and that, but one of the things he can't is his, his ability to develop a chassis and to work on it. And, and that was one, th- one of the reasons why he was available too, and so Penske hired him for the 79 season, and that year, that's when the ground effects started to come in. And apparently, you know, uh, Uncle Bobby had his own shop in Albuquerque. And him and Ronnie Dawes, who was also a native of uh, Albuquerque and worked on Buddy Lazier's winning car as chief mechanic in 1996, they worked all winter long on just getting cutting strips of aluminum and seeing what was, you know, what would work out the best for that when they were working on that PC7. So Bobby Unzer was very important and very uh really helped to develop that car it's kind of a stopgap until they came out with that pc9 then the following year for 81 which uh bobby won the won, won the 500 in 1981 with it so and and uh, uh mirrors won the championship with it so yeah it's always interesting those little side stories and and it's those side stories that kind of makes interest that makes you know auto racing interesting that's kind of behind the yeah. scenes type thing absolutely you remember who the designer was of that chaparral 2k uh, John Bernard. Right, right. Excellent. Yeah. So, how much um, time we got left, Austin? How many? 40 seconds. Well, Larry, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming on the show. And I'd also like to thank Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Make sure you check out all their stuff on uh, the Petit Le Mans and basically all their stuff. Uh, uh uh, all their, uh, they got audio stuff on there too, audio and visual stuff on uh, some some of the best photos too from uh, Jack Webster. So make sure you check out RacingNation.com. I also like to thank uh, Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media. Make sure you check out his fake pigskin uh, website for the best in fantasy football too with uh, Dennis Michelson. Appreciate those guys for coming on the show. And Larry, thank you. And we'll chat next week. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove along with David Hobbs Honda. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.